Hey y'all, it's Vanessa Collier, and you're listening to Talking Blues. Where are you from? Uh, I'm originally born in Dallas, Texas. Okay. Um, moved around a little bit, so I grew up mostly in the Columbia, Maryland area, and then I settled about seven, eight years ago uh, south of Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I was curious about that. So yeah. That's where you would go back after this short yep. little run, and then yep. that's home base for you. That's home base, yeah. Okay. You have an interesting story. <laughs> but tell me how about how you first got into music. Yeah. Um, well, I always loved it. I was always kind of like singing and dancing around the house, and um, my mom was kind of pushing me towards an instrument, like, let's find one. And I, I wanted to really try piano at first. And I uh, went to these lessons, and this teacher used to, like, hit my hands as I played. And I came home, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and um, my mom just was like, well, just stick with it. And so for, like, six months, she literally dragged me, like, kicking and screaming and crying into yeah. these lessons. Because I loved the music. I loved to sit at home and practice. But, you know, I wasn't into, <laughs> into the teacher. So she finally let me or, quit. Or physical abuse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was kind of like, I don't understand that way of teaching. My mom was very much the opposite, so mm. I was like, why am I getting hit by this stranger, you know? <laughs> um, but then, um, you know, I, I, she let me drop that, and then I was watching a TV show that I always watched after school, it's like third grade, and on one of the episodes, the dad, like, whips out a tenor saxophone uh, out of the attic and just is, like, playing, and his kids don't even know that he played and whatever, and I just loved the sound of the horn, and for some reason, it caught me. And then it was like every single day. <laughs> I was very one track mind begging my mom for like, hey, can we rent one of these? I really want to play this. Can I play this in the fall? Come on, mom. So it was like a good six or eight months of, of just like bugging the crap out of her. <laughs> and she finally caved and we rented one. And then it was just like, I've, I haven't put it down. It's been 19 years. Like, Do you think, do you think she thought, oh, what's that going to sound like every day? <laughs> Especially at the beginning. I think so. But, you know, it was it was funny. Like, she... So, I played for, um, let's see, fourth, fifth, and... Oh, yeah. So, I played through the end of middle school. And mm-hmm. then, right when I was graduate, when I was leaving eighth grade, um, I got asked to teach, to start teaching. This one kid, like, saw me play, who was coming in as a sixth grader, and was like, I just, I want to learn from her. And so, I got approached by the mom, who was like, oh, can you can you teach my son? And I was like, what the heck am I going to teach? I'm an, you know, I'm an eighth grader going into freshman year. I don't even know anything, you know? So, and, and what, how, how had you learned? Um, well, at that point I had studied with a guy who was actually a clarinetist with the army band for a year. And he was like, you've outgrown me. Like you, you've just already like, you know more about the saxophone. You play better than I do. You need to find a real saxophone teacher. And, um, when I entered middle school, my middle school band director was playing, um, like sessions in LA for a while so he had a lot of connections and had met this guy Chris Fidala who um, was playing with Chuck Mangione like played with Chuck Mangione for 20 years 20 plus years um, first call at that point for the NSO in DC for Aretha Franklin Stevie Wonder I mean any of the big names that were rolling through the Maryland area he was like the guy to call Wow. Um, and also the director of jazz studies at the University of Maryland so 
Afs, as a end of my sixth grade, seventh grade year, I started studying with Chris. And okay, so before yeah. you go there. Yes. So you watch this TV show and you see the sax being pulled yeah. out and you said, you want, I want to learn that because <laughs> yeah. you like the sound. Yep. How easy was it for you to make decent sound on the sax? Well, that's, that's what I, I can only go by recollect, like my mom's recollection because, yeah, yeah. you know, for me, I was like, oh, I really like this thing and it, and it caught very quickly for me but she that's where she noticed the difference was when i started teaching it was a lot of squawking and squeaking and yeah. from from well, it's my start students that way. right, right? Yeah. and she was like you didn't really do that you kind of had this tone from the beginning and just kind of took to it naturally i have no idea because i didn't record myself back then but <laughs> wow. um you so know you had natural abilities yeah i mean i had a lot of great like my elementary school band teacher was he was so and so about tone and so about technique and and all that so I think I got a good foundation and he was just explaining things in a way that it was like oh, okay keep the corners firm I can do that okay here's this so intonation and tone came came pretty quickly to me um, and I guess you know I have a decent set of ears so okay so now you, you have the instrument in your hand yeah. you're starting to m- make decent sounds yeah <laughs> but what were you listening to and what was your inspiration behind sure. p- playing the sax at that point I don't even know that I was listening to anything until I got to middle school um I mean I remember like in our house we listened to like um Stevie Wonder and Etta James and a lot of Ray Charles and Aretha yeah I think I said Aretha um <laughs> and then you know like um just some of the rock bands and, and Fleetwood Mac, the Eagles, like all of that stuff. So it was like, there's always some saxophone in there. Listening yeah. to Bruce Springsteen. I mean, you got Clarence Clemens, you get all these things that I don't think I was like super conscious of getting in the, in my ears and in my brain. But, um, you know, just in mu- I was very into everything music. I loved the pop stuff at the time. I loved, you know, Christina Aguilera and that whole thing for a while. So I just listened to a lot. And then middle school, I started listening to jazz and funk and R&B and just anything I could really get my get my ears on, you know. What is it about music and, and the, why do you think your mom wanted you to learn an instrument? Um, you know, I think... She played flute in high school, and I think if it wasn't for the band director, she probably would still be playing flute or playing an instrument. Um, She finds she's she's an academic, like she she's a professor at at a university, um, teaching accounting and finance and tax and and all those things. But I think she's much more of a creative spirit, and she believes that you know it shouldn't just be all the the writing and the math and all that stuff. But you also have to have a creative outlet to kind of expand your brain and. We've talked about that since I've been an adult, for sure, that, like, you know, music is one of the things that lights up every single area of your brain, much in the same way learning a language does. It's one of the only things that does that, Mm -hmm. you know. Math is, like, a certain part. Language or or writing is a certain part. English, you know. But music is, like, all-encompassing everything. Um, And I think on some level, she kind of just knows that intrinsically. Um, And she's just always supported that. She saw that in me kind of early, that it was a passion of mine, and then just hearing from several teachers like oh she's she's a little different like she's definitely in a good she's got way. an old soul right. you know yeah definitely in a good way so. um yeah i mean th- there's an argument to be made that there is maybe some connection between math and music as yeah, well yeah absolutely right? yes there's a lot of a lot of <laughs> yeah 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 um okay so now you meet this mentor teacher who mm-hmm. is first call on various gigs yep. um what 
What do you learn from that? What do you learn from him and, and his approach to music? I mean, I would say technique. He was huge on tone, even more so. And, and like, I saw myself grow tremendously in both of those areas. He was, um, you know, basically classically trained clarinetist as well. So we did a lot of classical saxophone repertoire. And to do that, you're like, you're trying to get this sweet, kind of sultry sound out of the horn versus like the jazz and the RB where you're kind of getting a little growl. And, right. You know, you want a little attitude behind that. And so he had this like sort of term about flipping the switch and being able to be very versatile as a musician. So that was like one of the key things. Um, it's just like, okay, well, you you play saxophone, you play alto, you might as well pick up soprano and tenor, and you also should play a little flute and clarinet because if you're trying to make you know money in this business, you have to be as versatile as possible. Right. So if you can get hired for an orchestra gig off the fly, you know where you can double on all those instruments. You're going to be way more marketable. Um, so, so are a, you thinking at this point, and we're talking middle school, yeah. that music is going to be your future? Uh, definitely at that point. I, you know, I had this grandiose idea. I was going to be a WNBA player, a saxophone player, you know, musician, and a restaurant owner. <laughs> at that point, um, it kind of narrowed out, narrowed down in 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 high school. I'd say like sophomore year, I was like, this is it for me, music. Well, the restaurant's um, still a possibility. Yeah. It's WNBA, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Were you I'm good? I'm not sure I, I'd want to. I, yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty good. I, I ended up with a couple D1 scholarships uh, wow. offers. Um, it was just, you know, that was definitely, a, it was at the same time that I picked up saxophone, I pretty much picked up basketball and um, I just loved, loved to play and loved the team camaraderie element of it and I would have loved, you know, to go on and play in college, but I tore my ACL before my senior oh. year and rehabbed it, and I was like, cool, I think that's a sign. Like, you know, <laughs> I have this other love and this passion, and it doesn't take as much out of my body. Um, right. And so it was just like, yeah, this seems like the natural progression. Okay, what do you think you learned from that experience of being in the, a basketball team? Um, I would say, you know, like a lot of people, every, every gig are like, where does your energy come from? Where does, you know... And I think basketball, you push past tired, like just constantly. I mean, we, we played right after school. You had a two-hour practice, but then you were kind of expected to stay after and shoot and stay after and work on extra skills and all this stuff. So it easily became a three- to four-hour thing every day. And, you know, you're easily running a couple miles and... And you're just having to like pull through in the you know minute 39 of the game and, and uh, you know dig deep and put pull out some big defensive stop you know and, and I think all of that taught me like oh okay my I think that my edge my boundary is here and then I've suddenly crossed that and so I think that's one of those things that I just keep pushing um, as an artist as a as a person I just always think there's like more in me that I haven't tapped into. Um, and so it's like my motivation is just to find where, where that core is, or just keep that energy going through. Hopefully, what what is a long musical career? <laughs> okay, great answer. Um, yeah. Back then, just a little more on sure, basketball. Sure, sure. Because I'm from Toronto, where the Raptors. Oh won. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but but tell me, um, while you're growing up and you love basketball, yep. I don't know what where the NBA, like WNBA, would have been at that point. Yeah. Was your love of basketball just a game, or did you have a team that you loved? Or Oh, yeah. I mean, I loved UConn basketball. I loved college oh, okay, at okay, that okay. point. And, like, Gino Ariyama and, uh, at that point, Diana Taurasi, who's now playing in the WNBA, right. and Sue Bird and uh, Swing Cash and all these, all these, like, people that I really looked up to 
were just like beasts on the floor. Um, so what I liked about the WNBA versus the NBA at that, at that time was like the WNBA was all about fundamentals. It was like, if you wanted to watch good team basketball, you turn on a WNBA game because, you know, I forget. Um, I mean, LA was huge at that time, of course, Lisa Leslie was playing, but, um, there were a couple other teams, I think Phoenix, um, and like the New York Liberty, even the Washington team, they were all just really good, solid five players playing as a team and I I thought at the NBA at that point was kind of starting to get into all the hot dogging and you know let's let's make all the fancy dunks we can and all this kind of stuff and it was very much one-on-one basketball and I'm I'm I was always like much more of a team player I liked seeing the floor I liked being the point guard I liked being the one to assist people to score I, I liked scoring as well but um you know for me like putting this pass that nobody saw coming was like oh um yeah, there's something very magical about it. Be it for assist. Right? Yes. Um, do you still shoot hoops? I do. Yeah. I mean, if uh, we actually just did it the other day, we were in Washington with no cell service and no Wi-Fi for a little bit, <laughs> and uh, we found this coffee shop that had uh, well Wi-Fi for some of us, and <laughs> and they had a hoop out back, and I was like, oh, that, that, too bad there's no ball, and then we found a ball, so ended up shooting around for a good hour or so. Um, Does the band members know how good you used to be? Yeah, I mean, I went to high school with the drummer, <laughs> oh, <okay>. so <laughs> he used to play in the pep band while I was playing playing the game half the time. Um, but everybody else, um, not really. <laughs> Never saw me play, and I'm not quite in the same uh, same shooting shape as I used to be. So. Yeah, but you probably whooped their ass, right? <laughs> Um, okay, so now the sports section's over and we're yeah. going to go back to music. <laughs> sure. So you decided that this is what you want to do. The, you're told that you you got to be versatile and take on other instruments. Did yeah. those other instruments come easy to you? Um, fairly. Clarinet was quite difficult for yeah. me because saxophone, you're pressing down your fingers and the butt, like the the little button is covering the hole for you, whereas clarinet, you use your fingers to cover the hole entirely. And if you don't, it ends up in a squeak or something and um i loved the low range of the clarinet but but as far as getting over what they call the break it's like the middle section um was kind of just more of a challenge at that point um flute was pretty easy um it's just it's i find that most things just take a little bit more time it's not necessarily like you can't do it it's just some things take a little longer for you to click it in Mm -hmm. your brain you know um, as far as intonation and, and just hearing music and being able to play what's on the page, that was always good. Um, so at uh, this point, now you're thinking, I want to be a musician. Did you know yeah. what kind of musician you wanted to be? And No idea. Okay, so we yeah. had mentioned learning classical music and, and cla- um, sax. Like yeah. I just read an article like last week about yeah. that there aren't that many great sax pieces in yes. classical music, yes. that it's very limited. Yes. Um, there was a reason behind that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's partly because, so Adolf Sachs created the saxophone and much to everyone's dismay. Like, <laughs> he had people that tried to kill him when he made the saxophone. Like, they actually ended up killing his assistant instead of him. Because it was just such a novel idea to create a cross between the woodwinds and the brass. Right. And most symphonies didn't want that sound. They thought it was going to be too brash and too in your face. And nobody really liked the tone of it. Um, There's I th- also something about the actual tuning of it. Is it not... It's in a different key, so right. you, yeah, I don't think there's any, aside from E-flat clarinet, because, uh, well, E-flat alto and E-flat baritone saxophone, they're all transposing instruments. Um, most things in, 
It just depends. I mean, the horn is an F. There's, I'm not entirely sure because <laughs> I always think it belongs there. But <laughs> but did you I'm think biased. you wanted to follow, um, become a classical musician? Did you want to become a jazz musician? Did you have any idea what did it matter? Yeah, I I think I just wanted to play saxophone, and I I really I still love going back and playing classical saxophone. I love. Um, I actually might have an opportunity to go back and play with the symphony soon, and I'm hoping that that comes through. Um, okay, and this happens probably because of your formal education. I think so. Right? And yeah. then you went to Berkeley. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about the thinking. Was it just a natural that... Because, you know, not many blues musicians go to Berkeley. Yeah, of course. That's yeah. not the path. That <laughs> it's not often, the path. No. So <laughs> what made you decide that that was the way you want to go? Um, I mean, I think it was important to me to get a to get a college degree I don't I just didn't feel like I was ready to completely go out in the world um and I think Berkeley <clears throat> came about because I was looking at other schools and what I liked about Berkeley was that it wasn't trying to form you into being a specific person it was very much like okay you want to do this oh, okay cool you here's this path this option you can choose all these electives and um you know, it was very good for me because I got there the first year thinking, okay, I'm going to be jazz saxophonist probably, at least just saxophonist. And I ended up like finding out about the music production and engineering program. And I had done like a year of that my, my senior year where I was learning about, you know, low pass filters and learn, learning about all the, you know, the the engineering side of things. And then I was like, oh, I could do this. There's a dual program. I could do both. But of were you these. thinking now I could work in a studio? Or were you thinking, no, this would be good for my recording career? That's what I didn't know. You know, I kept hearing people saying, like, you got to know a little bit about the recording right now because everybody's going towards home studios. Right. So if you don't know how to plug in a mic or make a good, you know, a signal chain that, that works for your instrument, then you're kind of behind, behind the, the right. game, you know? Um, so I just. And I and I started to love that element too. There's a part of me that loves to like take things apart and figure out how they work and then put them back together and see if they still work. Um, have, you, have you done this with your sax? I haven't done it with the saxophone. I've uh, that one is like I don't know why it feels like I don't want to go there. It's so <laughs> many things. Good idea. But I, you know, like I have, um, I'm restoring two Fender Rhodes pianos that I've taken completely apart, and you know, I've figured out how, some of some of the electrical stuff and keep reading about how to <laughs> figure out all those things but um and eventually you know like i'd love to build a tube amp for a guitar or something like that or i've built preamps and mics and loudspeakers and all that kind of stuff so i definitely have that side of me that's super interested in all of that right and then the other thing is that i did see some footage of you playing guitar yeah so other than flute and clarinet yeah. and sax and <laughs> yeah you also play the guitar i do when yeah. did that come about college yeah so okay. I for I always wanted to play guitar um but just never really had the opportunity and then I got to college and basically my first year I found out because I took all these AP classes I tested out of basically all the general electives and I had like six credits to choose from or six or seven my my freshman semester very first semester and so I was like well what am I gonna do so I took a half credit guitar lab like a half credit um piano lab like just as much as I could do and he at the time I really did not like that class because there's a thing on guitar I'm sure you play but you you will learn the easier chords first so like the open stuff that you're you right. can 
you play 90% of the songs that are out there on pop country or whatever. And he starts us with bar chords, which like, for me, I couldn't get every note to sing. Like I, it was just a pain in the butt and I'm sitting, I, my roommate is a guitar major. And I'm like, how do you do this? And it, it was just like, well, you just got to do it more. <laughs> and uh, and it's walk- also a very different musical instrument. It and is. the way you think about playing it is not yes. the same as a sax. Oh, anything. yeah. Well, everything's right there. I mean, right. it's not, it's not, it took a while for me to actually see how logical guitar is. Mostly logical, I should say. Um, and where all the notes fall. But it's very visual. Saxophone, I, I've never played an instrument, you know, that says that was visual up until that point. Right. So it was like, oh, everything's kind of in my head. I have to think about the transposition in my head. There's no, I can't look at my fingers and see they should move this way, that way, and this will make this chord, you know. So that was very cool about guitar. Um, and I think I've just kind of like kept up with those little basic things that he taught me. And then I've looked up, you know, Travis picking on <laughs> YouTube and all this kind of stuff. And then I just started messing around and came up with, you know, doing a couple songs I like, like the Joni Mitchell River and, um, I don't know, Amos Lee and stuff like that. Right. Beautiful songs. <laughs> started right. playing some slide and <laughs> just for fun, you know? <laughs> um, there are many of us who can't play one instrument and you're just knocking out all these others. <laughs> um, so now you, 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 at Berkeley, I know you also studied the business of music and all yeah. that. But tell me, before you graduated, now what are you thinking you're going to be when you grow up? Yeah, well, I remember my saxophone teacher at the time was like, well, what genre do you want to be? And I was like, I don't know. But I, know, I knew jazz was not where my head was at. Um, and mostly because I felt like most of the jazz musicians were around me and most of the people I was listening to were like very heady about it very it wasn't coming from a very like passionate soulful place which the early a lot of the early stuff does like you know you listen to my favorite cannibal adderley and it's like oh he's got some like uh behind what he's playing you know why do you think that is why do you think it's coming from a heady place now um i'm i think because we're teaching it in a different way than it was initially taught it was initially taught as an oral art and you know this is this is a music to get out our emotions and to you know get across that we're a complicated people and you know because it's it's largely i mean it started largely as as african-american music as black music and and it's of course transcended race and it, it isn't it isn't necessarily about that mm-hmm. but i think the heart of it came from we are an intellectual people and we are this but it was like we're also very soulful we're also coming from these descendants of africa and mm-hmm. i mean that's my two cents i really don't don't really know there are people that still play with that same passion and energy it's just it wasn't from like what i was hearing in college i was like i don't really want anything to do with that you know i i feel like i have a different form of expression and i had a couple of teachers that kind of just wanted to force me to be that think that way and I'm, I'm very much like I tend to run in the opposite direction if somebody tells me like oh it's got to be this one way right. and so I think I just wanted to drift and find my own sort of like way of communicating that wasn't so like well you've got to play two five ones and you've got to play through the changes and you've got it like I just I have a different way of thinking um, I have since gone back and I've been like oh okay that was I, mis- I understand what they're doing. They're teaching me the building blocks of jazz, so then you can be more, um, 
you can communicate in the way that you wish. But I always, like Chris, Chris was great for me because he was like, yeah, just play what you want. Here's a couple color tones. Like, here's some things to add to your playing. It wasn't like, let me change the way you play and make you learn in this certain way so you come out the way I want you to be. It was like, I'm going to take you where you are and just give you a couple more tools and see what you do with it. Okay, so so far you haven't told me if it wasn't going to be jazz, what was it going to be? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So... Uh, I don't know. I, I took, um, I took a James Brown class and I loved that. And I found Maceo Parker, um, you know, and that, that whole crew. So I loved the funk side and, and all of that. And that was definitely more my vein. Okay. So how much are you thinking? Like, I know it's about the music and it's gotta be the music you love. Yes. But how much are you thinking that this is a good career move or this is, this makes sense as something to pursue? I think there wasn't a question in my mind. It was like, I saw Chris do it and he was like, you should just go for it. Like you clearly have the passion. So it wasn't a question in my mind of like, you're not going to make a career doing this. It was just, how am I going to get there? What am I going to, you know, categorize myself out? What am I going to be? Who am I going to be as an artist? And it, it definitely took me a while to figure out who that was. I mean, I don't think I knew when I put my first record out who I wanted to be as an artist. Okay. And so far, the word blues has like not crossed your mouth yet. Sure, yeah. I mean, well, I think it's hard to be a blues saxophonist because people automatically hear jazz. They automatically, like, I get that a lot. And it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Because I put a nine in there. Like, I don't know. T-Bone Walker plays sixes and nines just like a jazz musician would. But that's not necessarily jazz. Right. You know, so I believe that, that a lot of the root of blues is what I am going for right which is it's a form of just expression of everything that you feel everything that you're going through everything that you want to see happen in the world positively or not you know i mean it's just it just is you know it's it's a feeling and um i i hesitate to say i'm only that i always say blues funk and soul because it's it encompasses blues is the roots of everything Right, it's the roots of rock. It's the roots of soul music. It's the roots of everything. Blues and gospel; those were the, the beginning, right? So it's like I categorize everything that I do as roots-based, but it may be an offshoot of it. Okay, I'm familiar with the blues infrastructure, and I sure. know that there's the blues festivals, blues clubs, and yeah. blues societies. I'm not sure if such an infrastructure exists for funk. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe it does. I don't yeah. know. Um, well, I, I think in some ways, because you've got um, you've got like Lettuce, that, which is kind of this band who actually came out of Berkeley, I believe, um, has kind of set the stage in following all these people. I mean, George Porter Jr. And, yeah, yeah. You know, all these, I, all I know these that people, this is right? great funk band. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I just don't know yeah. if there's any funk societies I don't out there. Know. I don't think, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's a great question. I mean, I, I know they have places to play, obviously, yeah. but I, I really don't know if there are... I know that we we were just in um, Dayton, and they have a funk uh, history museum, which I didn't get to check out, but I didn't realize like half of the bands that we know came from there, came from Dayton, Ohio. Like Ohio players? Yeah, okay. yeah. Right, it's like sense. crazy. <laughs> I was like, oh, my blind is blue. I'm learning something okay. new. So at some point around here, around that time, you meet up with Joe Lewis Walker. Yeah. How did that happen? And tell me 
what what happened there? Sure. Um, so I had a friend who was playing drums for him at that point, and they were rolling through Philadelphia after my junior year of college. And my friend was like, you should come, you should bring your horn, you know. Joe loves to bring people up on stage, so he'd probably have you up. So, of course, you know, I, I'm very much an introvert, and, and so getting up on stage was super nerve-wracking for me. still is at some times, but the thought of, like, getting up, I was like, ooh, okay, i got to go check this guy out, see <laughs> see what he's about. And I, I checked out his music, and I was like, ooh, this is, like, right up my alley, you know? And it was kind of in the process of leaving the jazz world a little bit and finding him who's, like, blues, gospel, rock, a little bit of everything that yeah. I like, right? And so I just started playing along with the record and getting amped, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I can, I can go sit in," you know. And um, so I meet Joe on the on the break. It's this club in, called Warm Daddy's in Philly, and I and my friend introduces me to him, and he goes, "Oh, okay, you play. Did you, did you bring your horn?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, it's right here," and he's like, "Okay, cool. We'll call you up." And he goes and like talks to somebody else, and I'm just like hanging out, like, "Ooh, I get to go up. Yay! I wonder when it's gonna happen," you know. <laughs> And then he's like walking past me again to go up on stage for the second set. And he's like, you coming? <laughs> so I'm like, yes, okay. And I grab my horn and I'm like hastily just putting it together backstage. And he's like, okay, we got a guest, you know, Vanessa Collier. And brings me up for one tune and I play. And, and um, Do you remember the tune? I don't. <laughs> I should, but I really don't. Um, but I get up and I play the one song. And of course, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, I played my one song. I'm going to get off. Like, that's just stage etiquette, you mm-hmm. know, when you come in and you're asked to pull up. And he's like, where are you going? Get up here. And he keeps me up for the whole second set. Just, I have no idea. He just tells me a key and he's like, yep, just go ahead. Okay, so you know? how easy is that to just play with a band that you've never played with? All you know is the key. I don't know if you know some of these songs or not. Yeah. But you're basically standing there for the whole set. How yep. easy is it to be there, also being an introvert? <laughs> What's well, much easier now, having been, you know, through so yeah, many. Yeah. But, but, but <laughs> so back many then, on that is that, that night. night um, I, you know, I knew in at that moment that I had all that in me that I could definitely do it, and I knew all the information that I needed. You know, like I knew all the scales and stuff yeah, and, yeah. and whatever. It was just, you know, how many choruses and whatever. But I, I felt like it was fairly simple. I just didn't want to disappoint him. I was like, yeah. you know, I wanted to live up to what he was putting up on stage, you know. Um, but and I, how much live had you done? Like live performances have you done? I had done, I mean, I played all the time at Berkeley. I mean, that was, I was playing like eight hours a day between ensembles and, okay. and whatever and, and playing a fair amount of the concerts. Um so this is not foreign territory. It's not, yeah. It was definitely the first for me not having a section, I think, um, but still playing like you're in a section, you know, playing background parts and whatever. And I wasn't entirely sure if I was going to step on him being in sort of the same range um, mm. and all that kind of stuff. But that was that was just, it's taken me a while to, to think about that. It's like, oh, okay, how can I support whatever they're doing? Right. Um, but yeah, it was it was a fun it was a fun night. <laughs> That's all I remember. But I just remember. I, I would presume it's a life-changing night. Yeah. Right? I mean, so, I like, mean, well, like, what happens after that night? <laughs> so, after that night, I'm, like, helping them load out. And he's like, okay, well, you're pretty you're, you're pretty good. And uh, what do you feel about going on the road? And I was like, uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, so he started So, no hesitation me. at all? No. For me, I was just like, yeah, this is 
I want to get a taste of this, you know. That's in my in my head. I I thought that that's what I wanted to do: is travel and play music. And that you hadn't done this. You hadn't. I done... had not to that extent. No, okay. I had. Um, at that point, I think I had traveled. So Berkeley sent me over for a couple things. So I had gone to China for ten days, and I had gone to Hawaii for two weeks. That they sent me to do those things, um, and I was like, oh, this is this is cool. Like exploring new places, meeting new people meeting new cultures I knew nothing about, you know, all that was great. But definitely when I met Joe, it was... The road. Yeah, yeah. it was definitely the road. And, and I didn't know what that meant even, you know, because you have this idea that the road means, oh, you're in a bus and you got this lifestyle, and, you know, and and like Joe's gigs, it's just the blues world is not necessarily like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's not, It's that's really not the majority of the touring musicians out right. there you know i mean you work your way up and you see how far you get but yeah but i mean we're talking like it's a small not percentage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so and i loved it like i loved touring with joe it was like again this is the thing i think basketball teaches me too is like i just loved being out there right. to be out there i didn't care about you know the money necessarily at that point it was like if I made twenty five bucks at the end of it, it was like cool, <laughs> you know. After paying all the expenses, it was like okay, I came out on top. Like for me, that was really cool. And just getting my feet wet and getting to tour up and down the East Coast. And he took me to Turkey for a month, um, so it was just like you know, this is this is really cool. I like playing this music. I like singing backgrounds. I was playing percussion. Just getting all these things and learning so much from him. And d- did it come to you naturally? Like was was the adjustment? Simple. Yeah, I think it was when I look back on it, I had all the, you know, the musical skills I needed. What was more difficult was getting myself out of the introvert box at that point because I'm very much like way more comfortable sitting in the corner, and you wouldn't know it from from like watching me on stage now. But or sitting across from me right it, now. Yeah, for sure. It's like a skill I've built, but. Yeah. You know, I was definitely way more comfortable just sitting back and watching and just trying to support people around, but very quietly. And I think what I found is that he would have loved if I was a little bit more myself that I am now, you know, a little bit more extrovert, a little bit more just like, here it is, you know, here's, I know that I know what I have to say, you know, and I think he was great informing that in me. Right. Um, and I've gotten to play with him since and he's just like, yeah. You know, so it's great, you know, it's great to have that feedback from your teacher. Um, But I think that was the hardest hurdle for me was just like realizing I already had everything that I needed. And I also just have this great desire to learn. So anything that I don't know, I can learn on my own, you know. Um, And I feel like that now is like you could put anything in front of me and I may not be able to do it right then. But I feel like if given six months, I could probably do it, you know, I could probably do it and, and do it pretty well. Um, who knows if that's actually true, but that's definitely like my mindset. Is, it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds great, but <laughs> I'm sure there are things that I cannot, could not do that with, but um, art probably being one of them, but um, but definitely with like most things musical, and I, and I felt that. Okay, so you, you spend how much time with that? Band? Joe. Yeah. Um, it was a little over a year, probably closer to a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. And then he tells you, you got to get out on your own. Yeah, I mean, that was... that was. <laughs> How did that feel? 
it, at the time I was like, no, like I was, I wasn't even on every gig that he was doing. Um, you know, it was mostly just the East coast stuff that I could drive to or could hop in the van and drive with them to. Um, but I just kind of felt like I had just gotten my feet wet in a, in a certain way. And at the same time, it kind of, you know, I really knew while I was touring with him that I wanted to sing. I wanted to sing a song and, you know, it wasn't, Joe's band's not set up for that. You know, it's, it's like, it really should feature the main person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that I had to do my own thing at some point. I think there's always a little bit of fear of like initially stepping out and doing that. Okay, but before you joined the band, did yep. you think you wanted to do that? I wasn't quite sure. Okay. So I wasn't quite sure I had the personality for it. Like I thought I did, but again, I wasn't sure that I wanted to or could break out of the introvert thing and be the front person and be the like always on right. kind of personality because I'm very much like I need my <laughs> I need my 10 minutes to go and be by myself for a minute kind of thing um so I think that came about mostly playing with Joe and realizing like I have this too I have this thing to be a leader to lead the band to right. to have all this information and and that's really what drove me to do it after that point that's neat that that that's what you and I, I know you got more out of it than that, but yeah. that one of the things that you got out of that experience was to know that. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I just think Joe Lewis Walker is such a, an amazing talent and what a special human being he is. Oh, and, yeah, uh, I agree. Um, so yeah. to, to have to, to work with him, but to walk away amongst learning many things, but to say, yeah, I can do this. So I think I can yes. do this is like, what an amazing gift. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think Joe every day because it's like it was very easy to know how the business was going by sitting back and watching how he dealt with it. Right. And then on top of it, just like he just loves to play guitar and talk all things music and talk all things history. And like, you know, I mean, he is into telling you everything that ever happened and why things are the way they are today. Like, and I love that. Like, yeah, yeah. he was one of the ones that inspired me to get into the nitty gritty of everything. Because he just knows so much. <laughs> um, and, and then, yeah, I mean, he's just such an inspirational person. If you're a young person coming out and, like, sure. he's bringing you up on stage and letting you do your thing. Like, you want to take five courses? Okay, but they better be good, you know? <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. it's like, it's a great little push from the back. He's, it was an incredible year and a half for me to just be, like, you know, foundation in the blues, foundation in, like, oh, yeah, this is where I loved. This is what I loved in sixth grade. Like, but, you but, know, okay, that exposure and, and, you know, obviously you got the, a lot out of that, but did yeah. that exposure help you in your solo career? Like, could you go to a venue and say, yeah, I used to play with Joe Lewis Walker. I'm one. Can you put my band in there? Like, yeah, no, that did. I thought it would, but no, I, I don't think it really works that way right. um, much. I really do think you have to kind of somehow create a buzz. And I really, like, even when I look back, I don't know what ha how that happened um, entirely. But it did happen. But it did. And I think. And how long did it take for it to happen? Like, like I how think difficult it's still, was it? Okay. <laughs> I well, think it's still happening. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, yeah. when I think, like, you just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And all of a sudden you were everywhere. Yeah. And and it was like people were talking about you. Yeah. And to me, maybe three, four years ago, I heard the buzz and, you know, and yeah. then, then you were everywhere. So how, yeah. how long ago was it you left Joe's band? 
Um, so that was the end of 2013. Okay. Um, and then I put out my own record July 2014, and I think maybe we had 10 gigs that year. <laughs> um, and what was that like? like putting out the, the, the first record? The first or? record and doing your solo thing. Sure. Um, well, it was a lot of... it was. A lot of frustration at the beginning because I was I felt very much like I have this thing to say I have this to offer and when you're starting out it's it's a lot of like you know there's a lot of venues that get that constantly like oh I'm special listen to me you know what I mean and I just felt it and and it was great because I had my mom on my side at that you know she was just like well you just gotta keep at it you know and so I kept like emailing, I kept calling, like cold calling, all things I hated to do as an introvert. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> you know, it was like not in my nature to do it all. And um, and so anyway, I started just kind of cold calling and, and all those things and, and got a couple responses back, got a couple opportunities. Actually, one of my first opportunities was to open for Bruce Katz. Um, nice. For no money. But it was great. Got free food, great food, and ice cream. Okay, so and an opportunity to play for a new crowd. So, because that happens a lot, where yes. where people say, "Well, I can't pay you, but we'll do." This. Yep. And sometimes you think, "Well, is that worth it?" Right. In this case, it was worth it. Yeah, I mean, I understood, and this is all thanks to my mom because she is very much. She has always taught me, like, you don't go for the short game. You always look at the long, you know, the long game and the and the big picture. And so it was like, well, it's a gig, you know. If you got to pay your guys and lose five hundred bucks, like, it's a gig. It's starting to get the ball rolling, and we'll see where we're at. And you know, at the end of that year, we were in a better place than when I initially started. And you know, and then. Um, Sorry, are you still going to school at this point? Um, no, I had graduated. I had left Berkeley. Okay, and then yep. are you doing music full time, or are you doing yep. other jobs? Music full time. Okay. Um, I've never done anything but music. So I taught from eighth grade through all the way through high school. Took a break while I was in college, and then basically when I returned home, I was figuring out what what I was gonna do and how I was gonna pay for the record and all that. And I started teaching again, um, which I'm still continuing right. to do. So, and then. You do this gig with Bruce. Yep. What does it do for you? Um, I I'm I mean it got me in into a place. I had a couple people, you know, maybe ten people from that gig that continually follow me even today. You know, wow. so I think it just it started that little snowball effect of of getting people on board with what you're doing. Um, and it was just little gigs like that, opening for such and such. You know, um, I also I mean I should mention Mikey Jr. in Philadelphia was like incredible to me um because he introduced me to the whole pennsylvania scene within like two months maybe <laughs> a month like I, I went to sit in at a jam at the twisted tail in philadelphia and he was like oh i'm playing the pennsylvania blues fest next week and we're having like this thing you want to come up and sing two songs you want to come up and do your thing and i was like uh yeah sure so i drove like three three and a half hours back like there and back even though he offered me a hotel room i was like i want to go home um, for like two nights in a row just to go play with him. And, and, and then that got me in front of Michael Cloran. It got me in front of the Pennsylvania scene. And it really kick-started my career. That was where people started being like, Did you know? Oh, who is this? Did you know that <laughs> moment that things have changed? No. I, I, I think I'm, I'm not great at 
recognizing those things um it's very it takes me a while to be like oh okay we're here now you know yeah um like for me in my brain i haven't really changed my way of doing things i've become more comfortable on stage I've, i've worked on that stage craft for sure um as well as the musicianship but in general my same aim has been the same of like just produce just playing from the soul playing very passionately expressing you know some of the things I'd like to see changed in the world, those are all consistent in my five years of doing my, you know, being under my own name. Um, but yeah. How, how has writing changed? Um, writing You've done three is, albums, right? I have, yeah. Writing has changed pretty drastically. I think for my first record, I, I knew what I wanted in my head, but I couldn't really relay that. So I got pretty close. But... Um, second record was kind of the same thing um i i wrote all these songs that were very close to me and then didn't quite feel like like it got there necessarily on the second record not because of the players necessarily it's just hard to do that with a studio group Mm -hmm. where you you basically come in and you want to teach them all these complicated arrangements it's hard to do in like three days you know um the last record that i've done was completely the way i wanted to do it so I went in, we did three or three days of basics for 10 tunes, and and then I did all, pretty much all, all the vocals and sax, except for a couple things at my, at my house, like at my leisure, you know, and, and much less stress for me. Um, I put horns on it, put vocals on it, like everything that I wanted to do, that record got to be, um, which was very cool, yeah, you know? Yeah, which I can't. Imagine it's an easy thing to do, obviously, based on the first two albums, which didn't quite hit the mark. Sure. To be able to do it on the third album is pretty neat, and I expect that the next one would be even closer. (laughs) That's the hope, you know? That's what I'm constantly trying to, like, make sure I'm communicating with my musicians, the musicians that I choose, you know, for these records, to, to make it as close to what I hear as possible, while allowing them to also put their own stamp on it. And mm. I think that's the middle middle ground you have to find with each, with each record. Um, it's like what you're willing to let go of for the for the you know sheer fact that like it's going to be a better record because they have put this other thing on it. I think collectively the voices are better than just what I have right. in my brain. You know, because I don't play bass well as well as such and such I don't play guitar nearly as well as like Laura Chavez you know so it's it's like letting people do what they do best (laughs) so if you look back and I know there's still long ways to go you're still young you're still new in this business but like I said I think things have happened very quickly for you yeah does it surprise you where you are today it does I mean it, it doesn't it doesn't you know I think my biggest worry is just getting complacent um and just like okay, I've gotten this far, I can slack off now. I can stop writing, I can stop like learning, stop wanting to grow and all those things. And I think that's my biggest fear, is like wanting to get stuck in one place. I, I just almost find that hard to believe. <laughs> like, like, nothing about what you've said yeah. so far tells me that that's going to happen. Well, that's my hope, you know. I, I just, I, I've, I know that a lot of people, as they continue on, they get jaded or I've seen it, you know. Yeah, I've yeah. seen a lot of people just get, really disappointed with the way that their life goes um, in one way or another. And, and I think everybody has things happen to them. And I think I just don't want one of those things to derail that. You Did know? you ever doubt this decision to pursue music? I don't think so. I, 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 I've 
through all of it, I, I really think it's just part of, it's the ups and downs. Like it's just, it comes in waves. And I always know if it feels like it's on a downhill that the uphill is coming, you know? Um, not, no, not needing details about the downs, sure. but you have downs. You have, you've gone through times when it yeah. was very difficult, especially oh, like, sure. I guess the first year when yeah. you only did 10 gigs. Yeah. How do you, how do you keep positive during um, that time? I think honestly, I've always written. I have always had some form of word. Like even in middle school and high school, it was I was writing poetry outside of class. Like if I was upset, it was like immediately I'm just writing what I feel down. And um, you know that was one of the things with the second record. I was in a very tough spot, and I like didn't go to the writing immediately. And I found this book, Julia Cameron, The Artist Way, and it's like it's a 12 week course, and you basically just write three pages every day you have assignments you have these things that get you working again um and and that has been it's reshaped how I get out of those downs even more so it's like oh yeah gotta remember to go back to that thing that I've always done it's always been tried and true to get me out of it um but you know I think physical exercise does a lot for me too playing with the dogs I have three little sisters so there's a lot of things outside of music that help me see oh okay so this little downhill that seems like it's huge to me is very little in the scheme of things you know I mean I lost a friend of mine and when I was 16 and and that blew my world wide open you know I mean it just crushed me and I carry that every day you know and it's like he played saxophone so it's a part of one of the things I think about my teacher Chris just passed and it's like all these things you carry with you and they either bog you down or they propel you further to be you know better than you are and so I think I use all those things that feel like it's just at the bottom to be like well come on you gotta like you're just gonna pull yourself out of this you're gonna somehow find a way and you know today might be a bad day but maybe with a little breath and a little space from it, you know, it, it'll feel better tomorrow. Right. And so far, it always has. Well, as I said, from where I sit, things are happening for you. And there's been a big buzz. You've been recognized by a lot of people. And, sure. and you seem to be doing... Yes. Like, you had, like, an insane weekend. I'm really yeah. thrilled that you had the time to actually sit down with me <laughs> in this hallway, in case you wondered about yeah. the door closing. But, you know, like, you were in Cleveland last night. You're in Kitchener today. Tomorrow, you're in West Virginia. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, so, crazy. And you drove all night to get here. Mm-hmm. Um, I thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you. <laughs> this has been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. So, I have have a great rest of the year and um, hopefully we'll talk again I hope so yeah (laughs) thank you thank you